don't go into the woods that you've heard Dogman inhabits. Just don't. Welcome to Scary Stories, the channel that tells you scary stories. The Boy Who Cried Dog Man, as told to Peter Bernard, read by PQ River. A lot of you out there are interested in Dogman, but I was into Dogman before some of you were born. See, I was a kid in Michigan when the Beast of Bray Road got written about in Fortean Times and other spooky magazines of that era. We're talking, I guess, 1996, 95. I had a cassette of the Dogman Legend song that one of my uncles gave me for Halloween when I was younger, and I had a Michigan Dogman t-shirt from a tourist shop. All I know is, for about two years, all I was interested in was the Dogman. When it came back in the 2000s with the Gable film and all that, I didn't get as excited. That's because in between those two periods, I came face to face with the Dogman himself. And I've never been the same person again since. Back then, I'd ask my parents to drive down Bray Road whenever we were heading anywhere. And it reached the point where we'd get into the car and they'd preempt my request with an announcement that we were not driving on Bray Road. So I'd better not even ask. They weren't scared of seeing the monster or anything. They just didn't believe any of it at all. I wanted to visit the witnesses to ask them all sorts of questions. To me, they were celebrities, but aside from a few articles and one time on TV, it was hard to find out more about them. We didn't have Facebook and Twitter back then either. We barely had email. So instead of following them on social media, I annoyed my parents about them instead. After a while, they both ordered me never to speak to them again about Dogman. That's how bad it got. I could never imagine telling my kids they aren't allowed to talk to me about Bobo from Finding Bigfoot, which is their favorite topic. But at the age of 10, I was literally banned from speaking, writing, or thinking about the Michigan Dog Man, a.k.a. the Beast of Bray Road. Soon my teacher and even some of my friends followed suit. My real name starts with a D, so they would call me D, the Dogman, or Dogman D. I thought it sounded cool, but I don't think they meant it as a compliment. After a while, I moved on to other things. Entering the seventh grade two years later, I made a new best friend. Let's call him Upton Smythe, just for fun. He was a rich kid, although I didn't realize that until one night he came over for dinner and my father flipped out. Turns out Upton was the son of a guy my father had been trying to get to do business with probably since before I was born. My father talked to Upton more than I did that night, and before my mom drove my friend home to his palatial estate, my dad had somehow secured an invitation to a country club as Upton's dad's guest the following Sunday. This is where Dogman actually comes into the story. Just give me a minute to explain. 
for that Sunday, my father and Upton's father playing golf, and for some reason they were forcing us to ride along with them in their golf buggies when we would have rather been anywhere else. Dad hit one into this little outcrop of the woods, and Upton's dad let him call a do-over since it was just a friendly game. Dad ordered me to go get the ball for him out of the woods. I trudged over the grass towards the trees, which seemed a lot further away walking than they had sitting in the little moon buggy back there. I felt weirder and weirder while walking toward the patch of forest. I noticed that it looked to be a tiny cluster of medium-sized trees, but actually spread forward in a line about ten trees wide on for hundreds of feet, continuing back into a genuinely huge, old-growth forest with immense trees that looked large enough to cover packs of dinosaurs from being seen. I want to say I was feeling dizzy, but that would not be the correct term. I'm not sure exactly what I was feeling, except that it was not comfortable, and the closer I got to the forest, the more unpleasant it grew. I stopped and looked back at my father, who wasn't paying attention to me, but was still kissing up to his new friend. Upton was sitting, looking bored and annoyed. They seemed as far away as the trees. I turned around and continued toward the forest. When I finally reached the trees and peered in past them, I realized that the canopy above was extremely dense and it looked incredibly dark in there. Now, a sting of fear shot through me, which was like giving adrenaline to that other weird feeling I already had. I really did not want to go in those trees, but my father would beat me if I didn't, and I was more afraid of him than anything else, so in I went. After only two steps into the darkness, I stopped and shivered all over. It was noticeably colder in there, but that wasn't the only reason to shiver. Everything was different in there. Sound was different, the ground was softer and muddier, and there was almost no light at all. I stood there waiting for my eyes to adjust a bit. It was so quiet in there. I started gently moving bushes and small trees to one side or another, looking for my father's stupid golf ball. From the ineffectual way he had hit it, I didn't expect it to be very far in, and I was hoping I would have found it already. No such luck. Only one option. Walk further into the incredibly dark, remarkably silent forest. I walked as slowly and silently as I could because I had the oddest feeling that I would be in danger if I made too much noise. Even as a 12-year-old kid, I told myself this was a nonsensical fear. Still, I rustled leaves as gently as I could and watched where I was going, so as to not even break a twig by accident. I regretted not noting the time before I entered, because it seemed as though I'd been walking through these trees for a few minutes already and still hadn't found anything. I looked around and realized I couldn't see the edge of the trees to my left or right any longer. I wasn't sure if that meant I was in a wider patch of woods or if I had gotten confused as to which way was left and which way was right. I started to feel a bit panicked and realized I might be lost. And that's when I heard it. A very low, very deep growling.
I spun in circles quickly, looking around, trying to tell what was making that sound and which direction it was coming from. Then two trees parted, and out walked the largest and most vicious-looking creature I had ever seen in my life. It was tall and it was wide. It had a chest like a man, arms like a man, but a dog head and dog legs. I just looked up at it and I was thinking, it's all wrong. I had read so much about Dog Man and I had a certain internal vision of what it looked like based on illustrations I'd seen in magazines. This was not that. This was something from a nightmare. This was an impossibility. This was like a lost in space monster, except the mouth moved realistically. Oh boy, did the mouth move. The creature growled louder, staring directly into my eyes and showed off its impressive fangs for me. Now let me remind you, I had wanted nothing but for this exact thing to happen to me for around two years by that point. But when it did actually happen, do you know what I did? I started crying. Remember, I was 12 years old and kind of a bookish kid. Do they use that term anymore? What are bookish kids now? Kindleish? Anyways, I was not athletic and I was not certain of myself and I certainly never expected to meet an immense, weird looking, growling dog man on a country club golf course. <laughs> I did remember something I'd read once about how if you're facing a possible attack from a predator, running away only tells them that you consider yourself its prey. It makes them want to eat you even more. I needed to get away from the monster, but I couldn't run away. I had to leave the way another predator would. So I had to act like I was trying to avoid a fight, not avoid being eaten for brunch. So, watching the creature intently and trying my 12-year-old best act casual and cool, I began backing away, slowly. The creature just stood there and watched. I backed away and backed away and eventually picked up a bit of speed. The creature allowed me to leave, just standing there and watching me. When I had gotten past some bushes and could no longer see the dogman, I turned around and returned to walking normally, making certain not to speed up my pace while the creature was still in the vicinity. Then I heard a crazy crashing behind me and turned around to see the dogman had run up quickly and found a new position to watch me from. As I stood looking at him, he looked back at me. He still seemed in a vicious mood, but now his expression also contained some curiosity in it. We repeated this process for a while with me walking slowly away and the dogman periodically moving to view me from a different angle, but he never got closer than about 15 or 20 feet each time. It suddenly dawned on me that I had no idea what direction I was walking in. Maybe the dog instincts in the monster were causing it to herd me back toward its home where it would be more convenient to eat me. I had to figure out what direction I should be heading in. I found moss on one side of a tree, then tried to remember which side of a tree moss grows on. South? 
Then I remembered I had no idea at all of the layout of the golf course, so even if I knew which way was north, I still didn't know which way it was to my dad. I felt so sad that I actually missed my father. I could see our entire relationship passing in front of my eyes. Yes, he was an idiot, but it was funny the way he said laboratory for laboratory. He wasn't all bad, and I missed him. All these years I had wanted to get away from him and get to know more about Dogman, and now that it was happening, I was wasting the moment wishing I could go back to the life I had wanted to escape from in the first place. The next time I stopped to rest, I watched the Dogman watching me. Its head was so large. It looked wrong for the dimensions of the body. It was like the Tyrannosaurus of dog people. This is a dream, isn't it? I remember asking the dog man. He turned his giant head to the side, questioningly. I looked around in all directions and focused on listening to hear any signs of civilization. I heard none, but I noticed that the forest was distinctly less dark in one direction. After I felt I had regained my strength, I made off in that direction and could quickly see that it was leading to a clearing in the woods. Careful not to speed up my pace, I continued and soon could hear the sounds of people and clinking cutlery. It was a restaurant or bar and people being served at outdoor seating. I was saved. If I could only get these last hundred or two yards further, make it to the clearing where the people could see me and hear my cries for help. I let out a different kind of cry as something grabbed the back of my pants and dragged me away from the people further into the woods. The dogman had me by the back of my pants. It was both whining and growling at the same time. It sounded pleading and threatening both at once. Amazingly, I found myself dragged back to my last resting place and then the dogman retreated to his watching position. For the first time, I forgot about being scared, and this animal just had me annoyed. So that's when I did something else I had learned from reading. I decided to play dead. I lay down in as comfortable a position as I was going to find in that little clearing, and I did my best to just stop moving. I lay there for what seemed like forever, waiting to hear the sound of the monster going away. The next thing I knew... I was waking up, and it was darker, almost sunset. I'd fallen asleep there, I guess, from the stress and exhaustion. I looked around and couldn't see the huge wolf creature. Then I heard it snoring. There, about ten or fifteen feet away, the dog man slept. He looked kind of like any other large dog sleeping. Looking at his hind legs laying there, I couldn't understand how he could stand up and run on them as they looked exactly like dog legs. I've read and heard accounts from others who say they've heard the dog legs cracking when it goes from a four-legged to two-legged position, but I noticed nothing like that at the time. To me, it just seemed to be able to be either bipedal or else down on all fours at will. I watched it sleeping there so peacefully. Then I realized that this was my chance to get away. 
No matter how sweet it looked in sleep, this creature had made it clear he would not tolerate my escape. So I had to use all the stealth at my tween-aged command, which was next to none. I got about halfway to the edge of the woods when I slipped in the mud and made a racket falling. Before I could get up, I already heard the dog man behind me howl. I screamed like a six-year-old and raced for the clearing. Can't remember what I said, but I remember it included words both parents had strictly forbidden me from saying. I made it to the clearing and headed straight for the supper crowd dining after a day of golf, screaming at the top of my lungs that a werewolf was trying to eat me. Rather than come help me, they all stared in horror as I approached. I noticed they were staring at me, not at anything behind me. I risked a glance and saw the creature was nowhere to be found. It had decided to remain hidden. I was safe. I fell to my knees and wept. Eventually, some waiters came out to see me. I told them my name, and they talked to some lady who led me to a man who led me to another building with a barely furnished room inside where my father, Upton, and his father were sitting on old wooden chairs. I raced to my father and hugged him. He hugged me back, but unenthusiastically. Upton said something like, We thought you were a goner, man. And I told him I thought the same thing. I looked up at my dad, and I was going to say something, but I saw he was not happy. And he was giving me a very stern look. What's this garbage they told me you were shouting about the wolf man again? He asked. Then, before I could answer... He started angrily lecturing me about all the ways he was going to punish me. He really caused a scene, and Upton's dad had to make him stop. He pointed out that I was just a kid, and I had just gone through a trauma. My father told him I made it all up to get attention. He said I faked the entire thing just to make him look bad. Upton's dad looked my father straight in the eye and told him he didn't need me to make him look bad. He did a pretty good job of it all by himself. We were escorted out of the country club by security, and my father blamed me for it for the rest of the time that I knew him. Upton was still my friend at school, and I was allowed to visit him at his house, but he wasn't allowed over my house anymore, which infuriated my father. He had bragged so much about being friends with Upton's dad that he really lost face at his job and eventually left like eight or nine months later to a harder job that paid less. The dogman really ended any chance of a friendship between myself and my father because dad blamed me for every single bad thing in his life from then on. So although I was not eaten by the dogman, that doesn't mean it wasn't a force of evil in my life. It can't be denied that it contributed to the destruction of my father and our family. I have to agree with the people who think Dogman is evil, whatever that may actually mean. I guess I'm trying to say I think they are unhealthy for us humans. They are on a different wavelength. I somehow felt that creature before I saw or heard him. 
was not a pleasant feeling, and not one I would ever want to have again. You don't feel things like that from something that you should try to be friends with. Maybe evil is relative, based on what is potentially damaging to you personally. On the other hand, if the dogman had eaten me for lunch, that wouldn't really have been evil. It would have been an animal, satisfying its hunger, which is the way of nature. What the dogman did was worse than that. The dogman took the love out of our lives, what little there had been before. That's an unnatural and cruel, pointless thing to do. A classic lose-lose situation. I guess that is what I'd say to define the kind of evil I think the dogman represents. Bad luck, bad omens. The kind of ill will that none of us truly understand or can even be certain is real, but we all have words for anyway. While I love hearing stories of other people's encounters with this creature, and I'll always find it a fascinating subject, I never again want to come face to face with it. And while I enjoy these stories thoroughly, my advice for any of you asking how to see Dogman in person is... Don't. 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 don't go into don't. the woods that you've heard Dogman inhabits. Don't. Don't. Just don't. 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 But if you get found by Dogman anyway, play dead. It's better than the alternative. Check out the audio podcast version of Scary Stories NYC, now available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and other popular podcatchers. Bigfoot attacked my tiny house. Scary Stories by Peter Bernard, Volume 1, now available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook versions. Narrated by P.Q. Ribber and me, Madeline Starr. Forward by TV's famous Timothy Green Beckley, better known as Mr. UFO. And if there's anyone out there who can't get enough of P.Q. Ribber, search in your favorite search engine for P.Q. Ribber, and you'll find plenty of podcasts music and weirdness. Come back, come back, come back, come back, come back for more scary stories.